Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. God called you to be a part of a group of people that is here to change the landscape of GVC, and not only GVC, but the surrounding areas. Amen? Come on. Praise God. Well, hey, listen, just uh, again, in regards to uh, what I mentioned to you in regards to uh, giving, just kind of give you a heads up. Obviously, next week is uh, a holiday weekend, and summers are always challenging for a church because you just have a lot of people that are traveling on vacation. And so, therefore, if you're planning on being gone next week, uh, there's always an opportunity. There's online giving. There's, uh, you can go through the website. You can uh, pre-program it with the, the, the uh, offering envelopes in front of you. And again, just so that we have the opportunity to continue to do business as usual. So again, thank you for your faithfulness. And again, you're just a major blessing. Amen. Well, hey, are you ready to get into week number three of family matters? Uh, we said that, you know, when it comes to family matters, it's kind of a play on words because when it comes to the family, it matters to God. Amen. Family matters, but there are matters of the family that we need to begin to look at and address so that we can begin to experience the blessing and the increase and the best that God desires for everything in the family of God. And how many of you know that God is the originator? He is the creator. He developed the blueprint for the family. And so, therefore, if God had made the blueprint, if he is the creator for the family, then he ought to know how to have a successful, blessed family, marriage, kids, home life, church family, right? He ought to know how to get us there from point A to point B. But how many of you know that when it comes to the family, if we're just really going to be direct and be real honest, the family unit is really in trouble, isn't it? I mean, we don't have to look very far. Maybe it's even hit your house at time, from time to time. Maybe it's hit distant, uh, or not distant, but maybe close relatives or people that you know. We can just look around just a very short distance and discover that the family unit is in disarray. The family has been in trouble for a number of years. And again, you see the tactic of the enemy that everything that the enemy is endeavoring to do is to destroy the family. My wife and I, we were having this conversation just a couple days ago, and we were talking about just the culture and the generation that we live in today. You know, where you have smartphones, you have tablets, and it seems like this culture and generation that is up and coming is always uh, involved electronically or through technology, but lack the ability to communicate face-to-face. Have you noticed that? And we just look at it and think, well, dear God, man, it's just kind of this epidemic that is taking place within our nation and around the world for that matter. But I want to submit to you that it has been a master plan of the enemy to infiltrate the family, and we didn't see it coming. Now, what do I mean by that? Because you realize that because of all the technology, all the devices, and all the means that are getting people disconnected to where they don't have the ability to communicate face-to-face, develop friendships, or even be able to carry a conversation anymore, that if you get a group of people or a society of people that does not have the ability to communicate, what does it do? It It reverses or it eliminates your opportunity to communicate the gospel. Right? 
I don't like talking to people. Well, if I don't like to talk to people in general, I'm surely not going to tell them about Jesus, right? So you start to see as you zoom out, there has been a master plan in this late hour of the church that the enemy is working overtime to destroy the family. Are you out here this morning? And so, again, if we look at statistics for that matter, statistics say that 52% 52 of marriages end up in failure. So over half of every marriage ends up in divorce or creates instability within the family unit. 75% of all people feel like they're not moving forward. They feel like they're not getting ahead. They feel like they're not achieving the dreams and the desires that they want or that they have in their hearts. 75% of individuals. So that means that a good majority of you that are sitting here today are feeling like you have not achieved or, or arrived to or experienced God's best for your life. And there's still things on the inside of you that you desire that feel like they're undone. But God wants more for us. God has a master plan. God wants us to take a step, amen, a step towards him to see our family come back into the way that it was originally designed for it to thrive, for it to flourish, uh, uh, flourish and for it to have power and success. Have any of you, for that matter, thinking of like road trips, ever taken a wrong turn? Anybody? Uh, you know, a few years back, you know, uh, my wife and I, we went to Oklahoma. Her, her family lives out in Oklahoma. And uh, we used to drive to Oklahoma, oh, several times a year. I mean, over the last 20-some years, we have driven to Oklahoma so many times. In fact, it was so much so that I, I didn't need a GPS. I didn't need a map. I know it knew every turn, every exit, every major city escape or whatever it might be. I mean, I could just get there and back with no problem because we drove it so much. Well, then just a couple years ago, we were coming home from Oklahoma, and it's roughly about a 15-hour drive, and our kids have gotten older, and so you realize that when they're little, you can just put them in the back, tell them to shut up and just be quiet or whatever the case might be. But as they get older, you know, it's just like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? Can we stop? Got to go potty. Got to go. You know, it's just always this ordeal getting through there. And so as we're traveling, you're thinking, okay, you always anticipate getting there. And it's something that is propelling you and driving you to get there. The excitement of seeing family and the fun of the vacation. But then now i got to come home. And you know that the trip or the drive coming home is not necessarily one that you're looking forward to. Because you've been, been spent for the last past week. And now I've got a 15-hour drive coming home. And so this last time that we were coming home... I don't know, we got distracted or I got distracted and, and I missed, and again, this was right out of Tulsa. There was this expressway that kind of loops around together, but one goes further north and one goes further south. And for whatever reason, I wasn't paying attention and I took the one that went further south. And I'm driving and after we've been on the road for a good while, I'm thinking, this don't look the same. Something looks funny. I'm thinking, but no, we took the right exit. And so I'm talking to my wife, and we're still talking, and we probably had been driving a few hours now, or a couple hours anyways, and I'm thinking, this does not look right. Because typically after three hours, I'm coming up to Springfield, Missouri, and, and I've not seen any signs for Springfield, Missouri. And as the signs started showing, I started showing signs for Arkansas, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so all of a sudden... I felt the despair 
of being uh, off course. I took a wrong turn, headed in the wrong direction, and I already knew it was going to be 15 hours to get home, but who knows how long it's going to be now. I'm telling you, you talk about depression and despair and just discouragement that comes on you, man. I'm like, God, we are out of the way. You know what I'm saying? And finally, you look at the GPS or whatever the case is, you plug it in and you find out, man, you are heading the wrong direction. But how many of you know that getting on course to the right direction is just the matter of taking the first step in the right direction? Now, your family, your marriage, your life, your circumstances of life right now might be heading in the wrong direction. You might feel like you are so far off course that there is no hope. And I'm here to tell you, there is hope for you today. And all it takes is the first step to get back on course, heading back to God's best. Amen. Come on, man. I hope you're going to make some noise with me this morning because I'm telling you, I'm feeling it on the inside. I know God's wanting to do some things today to help us get to where we need to be. Amen. So I want to share with you here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, starting in verse 46. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. It's, I like the way it's written, but notice what it says here. It says, when Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined them. Upon leaving the village, they met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road named Timmy. We're just going to call him Timmy, all right? The son of Timmy. And when he heard that, Jesus, or heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction. Heal me. And those that were in the crowd uh, in, uh, were indignant and scolded him for making so much of a disturbance. But he kept shouting with all his might, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me now and heal me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him to come to me. So they went to the blind man and said, have courage, get up, Jesus is calling for you. So he threw off his beggar cloak, jumped up, and made his way to Jesus. Everybody say, he jumped up. Come on, how many of you know that he was in a very despairing place? He was blind, he was a beggar, he was down and out, he was sitting on the roadside, but the Bible says when Jesus called him, when Jesus says, come on, he changed the course of his direction, and the Bible says that he jumped up. He threw off the clothes of the beggar, he threw off the clothes of the bind man, and he says, now today is a change of direction for my life, and he jumped, come on, somebody needs to take a jump today, somebody just needs to be bold enough to say, today's my day to take the jump, it's the, my day to see that the direction of my life begins to head in the right direction, amen. amen. Is anybody ready to take a jump this morning? Come on, man, if you're not, man, you're in the wrong place, if not, I'm going to try to prime your pump to where you're ready to jump, man, you ready? Come on. Woo, praise the Lord. I said, God's wanting us to take the jump. What, if, what is your picture of a successful family? What is your picture of a successful marriage? What is the picture of a life that is full of success? What is the picture that you have had in your heart or at one time had in your heart that brought about those warm, fuzzy feelings on the inside? And like, that is, that is it. That's the picture. That's what I'm striving for. That's what I desire. That's what I want for my life. What's that picture? What's that dream? Well, today's the day to take the jump. Today's the day to jump into that place. Of experiencing God's best. But here's the thing. 
How many of you know that anytime you get ready to take the plunge, you get ready to take the jump, fear is going to oppose you. Fear is going to try to come up and grip you. Fear is going to try to come against you and say, no, it's not a good time to jump. How many of you have ever had people in your life where you're getting ready to take the jump, you're getting ready to take the first step, and somebody so conveniently just full of love, and they just want to encourage you, now don't jump. But I, I just, I know that I got to jump. No, 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 don't jump. Oh, it's not a smart thing to jump right now. Come on. See, fear will try to grip you to keep you from stepping out in jumping into God's best. And I'm here to tell you that God has an amazing story for your life. God has amazing things in store. In fact, for if that matter, if you remember what Jesus said, Jesus said, pray it this way. He said, pray that heaven would be on earth. I said, heaven wants to come visit you on earth. You don't have to wait to give it, get to heaven. Jesus pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. God wants his best for you here on this earth. All we got to do is take the jump. But how many of you know that in order to take the jump, it takes a commitment? You know, my son at the beginning of the year, in fact, just yesterday for that matter, uh, we were sitting out by the pool, and the water's been a little bit cooler because, you know, in the evening it's, it's, it's been a little cooler, and it's cooling down, and we didn't, didn't put the solar cover on it. And so he's like, man, Dad, it's kind of cold. And so I'm saying, well, just jump, bud. Just jump, and that's the best way to do it. And so he's sitting up there, and he's like, he's wanting to jump. How many of you know you can't just jump with one foot? You can't just jump with, you know. No. When you jump... You have to commit. I mean, it's all or nothing, baby. I mean, you, you've got to jump with everything. And when you take the jump, everything goes with you. Amen. You've got to commit to it, right? And so are you willing to take the committed jump today to see God begin to bless your home, bless your family? But I'm telling you, it's going to take you to step out and do something that you've never done before. If you're, willing to, uh, if you're wanting to have something that is unknown, you're going to have to be willing to do something that's unknown to you. Just jumping out, jumping out and trusting God. Do you believe that God wants some best or some good things for you today? Amen. There's victory at the end of that first step. There's success at the end of that first step. If you're going to be a water walker, you've got to step out on the water. Amen. You've got to take the first step. You realize that David was just a little boy. But when he stood up against the giant, the Bible says that he had five stones, but it took the first swing of the first stone that brought about victory. He could have been just like everybody else and says, you know what? He's a giant. He's talking real loud. It seems impossible. It don't seem like we can take this, this battle. It don't seem like we could ever experience victory. But he was somebody that stepped up and said, I'm willing to take the first step. Amen? If you're going to jump, you've got to take the jump. If you're going to walk, you've got to take the walk. And there is never a reward when you don't take the risk. God is just wanting to challenge you. Take the risk. Step out. Take the jump. Trust him to see your life become what God desires it to be. Your marriage, your family, your children. And I don't care what it looks like right now. It's just taking the first step. Will you take the jump? Amen? Come on. How many of you know? Dads, you know how this is. You've got your sons that are watching you. And you're all about telling them, come on, boy. Come on, get in there and do that. Don't be coward. You know, be a, be a big boy, right? 
and you're trying to get them to respond on your word and have faith in what you say. But how many of us as grown men have been hypocrites in our lives where we're saying, hey, just step out and trust me and believe what I said, but we can't even step out and trust and believe what God says. Come on, if we want our kids to be jumpers, we got to be first in the jumping line because they'll follow you. Now, if you're standing up on the edge and you're acting like a coward before you jump, well, they're going to be afraid just like you. But if you stand up to that line and say, God, I'm bold, I'm courageous because, God, you are faithful to what you say, and I'm just going to take the jump. What's it going to produce in your children? What's it going to produce in your family? Those that will just boldly trust God and say, God, I've seen mom and dad do it. They trusted you. They believed you. They just jumped when you said jump. And God, because you've spoken to my heart, I'm going to jump like mom and dad because mom and dad trusted you. Amen? But I'm telling you, fear will always oppose you when it comes to taking that jump. I said fear will always come to try to oppose you. And notice what the Bible says. You've heard this before, but the Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And everything about his personality is to produce fear on the inside of you so that you don't take the step, so that you don't take the jump, but you realize fear is nothing more than false evidence appearing real. Amen? And so listen, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but it doesn't say that he has the ability to do it. He just comes to do it. And the Bible tells us that the enemy is the father of lies. So think about it. When he comes to steal, what's the lie of the stealer or the thief? I've lost something that I can't get back. I've lost something that I can't get back. When it comes to your marriage, your family, your kids, you've started to believe that lie. I've lost something and I can't get it back. The Bible says he comes to kill. Well, what is it about killing? Killing is something that can't be revived or brought back to life. And the liar, he says, I've already killed your marriage. I've already killed your kids. I've already killed the success of your life. And it can't be brought back. It can't be revived. And it can't have life ever again. And too many have bought into that lie. And ultimately, the Bible says that he comes to destroy. And the liar comes to say, it's damaged beyond repair. And it's all to get you to fear and back down. But I'm here to tell you that God is the way maker. Jesus is the one that paid the price for you to have success. Jesus was the one that made it possible for you to be in the family of God. Therefore, if he knows how to restore the family, he knows how to restore your family. Amen? When the devil tried to do everything against Jesus to destroy the plan of restoring God's family, he failed. So when it comes to your family, your marriage, your success, he's a failure. As long as you don't buy into the lie. Come on, anybody here saying I'm a jumper? Come on, say it with me. Say, I'm going to jump. I'm going to take the jump today. Come on, it just takes the first step. Who's going to be the first? Is it going to be you? Now think about this. When it comes to him trying to come and produce fear or present 
lies that get you into fear. Once again, the enemy, or we think that the enemy is always trying to keep us from what we want. Or the desires that are on the inside. We always think, well, the devil is just coming against me and I, I just am not experiencing what I desire. Hey, listen, I'm here to tell you that the devil will help you get your desires faster than you think. Because oftentimes the things that you think you desire and think that you want are not the things that you need. And so the enemy is real good. I mean, he'll partner with you real good. Hey, come on, I'll help you get that. I'll help you get the money. I'll help you get the house. I'll help you get the trophy wife, the trophy husband that aren't worth a darn. Right? Come on. And oftentimes we're looking at God being frustrated and we're blaming God saying, God, I've been praying, but you've not given me the desires of my heart. And God's saying, listen, I've been trying to help you. I've been trying to slow you down. But if we keep pressing, God says, okay, I've got to back up. And he'll let you have what you desire even though it's not what you need. Amen? But I'm here to tell you God wants you to have a story of victory, a story of success. Are you really willing to take the jump? Are you willing to take the first step? How many of you know that when it comes to the family, taking the journey together, my family riding on the, uh, in the car on the journey, riding home from Oklahoma, the course of the whole entire family was set by the leadership choosing to reroute the course. Come on, you just got to be willing to reroute the course. You can't look to your kids to do it. You can't look to your kids to straighten up and act right. No, we got to steer it in the right direction. And when we purpose to take the step, when we purpose to take the jump, everybody begins to follow and fall in line. Because God's called us to be the leaders and lead them into the place of success. In order to change direction, we have to take the first step. Someone has to take the first step. And that first step always awrights the ship. The first step always establishes precedence. The first step always becomes an anchor for us to hold on to. There are too many people that are sitting on the sidelines hoping and wishing for God to do something. There are too many people in the body of Christ that have wishbones rather than backbones. And we need to step up and be the men and the women of God that he has called us to be. Again, we're asking God to do something and God's saying, I've been waiting on you just to step up. I've been waiting for you to take the step. I've been waiting for you to lean in. I've been waiting for you to ask me to help you. Amen? So are you going to fear the jump? Are you going to fear the step? Or are you going to lean in? You see, many of us are living below the means of what God desires for our lives. Many of us are living below the dream that God has for each of us. We've allowed circumstances to get us into fear. We've allowed failure to get us to back off. We've allowed the lack of money to say we can't do it. How many of you know that when it comes to money, money is nothing more than a tool for God to use to bless us and increase us and use us as a billboard for his kingdom? Amen? I was just... I, now again, hopefully this don't mess with you. But I was listening to a, a minister that we know and he said he was talking to his friend and his friend is Tyler Perry anybody know who Tyler Perry is he's an actor producer major mogul guy in Hollywood he's a Christian man spirit filled loves God 
And just not too long ago, he bought an island. And he said, I was walking down the beach with my son. And he said, my son was trying to put his feet in the footsteps of the sand that I was walking in front of him. And he said, finally, my son caught up to me. And he says, Dad, he says, how come there's nobody else on this beach? He said, because nobody else owns this beach. It's ours. Amen. Now, that might mess with you, but my point is this, is that money is not a bad thing. Success is not a bad thing. I'm telling you, God wants to bless you so that you can look to your kids and say, you know what? You're walking in my footsteps in the sand, but the reason that we've been successful is because I've chose to walk in Jesus' footsteps, and he's carried me along the way, and we've trusted him because we took the first step, took the second step, took the third step, and here's where we are because of God's faithfulness and goodness. Amen? Praise God. God wants us to succeed. I want to bring back to your attention Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Remember it said this. It says, when Jesus and his disciples passed through Jericho, it said a large crowd joined them. And upon leaving the village, they met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road. That describes a lot of the church today. The church that should have the light. The church that should have clarity of sight. The church that should be God's feet getting into the nations, getting into the community and spreading that light. Are beggars sitting on the sidelines. And God doesn't want us sitting on the sideline. He doesn't want us begging. He doesn't want us blind. He wants us to experience his best. But now notice what it says here in verse 48. Those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making such a disturbance. But he kept on shouting with all of his might. Come on. The Bible says that the blind beggar that was sitting, in order to change his circumstance, he made a disturbance. I'm telling you, God's wanting us to stop sitting idle and start to make a disturbance. We've been sitting idle in our marriages and letting the devil run over us, filling us with all kinds of lies, and he's wanting us to finally get to a place where we make a disturbance within our marriage and say, no more! Get off of my family. Get off of my kids. Get off of my finances. It stops here. And stop sitting down but standing up and saying, I'm taking off the clothes, I'm moving forward, and I'm taking the journey and taking the jump into the blessings of God for my family and my life and my marriage. Amen. Make a disturbance. I'm telling you what, the reason why the church is in such a position that it is is because we stopped making a disturbance. We stopped, started worrying what, what, what people would think about us. Well, you can't get too charismatic. You can't get too excited. Listen, you just go down to the game somewhere. You find out how charismatic they get, how excited they get, how much they yell. You go down to the bars. You find out how stupid they get, how stupid they act, and they don't give a rip. But, man, we come into church. No, but now we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want anybody just to come in and think we're kind of those weird people. Listen, it's time that we start making a disturbance for Jesus. And, and the moment we start making a disturbance, it's going to start changing the landscape. Amen? 
well, you don't want to get undignified. Do you remember what David said? His wife came to him and she says, stop acting that way. The Bible says that he shouted and praised God so much that his, his clothes fell off. Now, if that ever happens here, we'll buy you a belt, okay? I don't mind you ex getting excited. Just let, don't let your clothes fall off, all right? But the Bible says he got so indignant that he danced before God, worshiped God, that his clothes fell off, and his wife says, Stop doing that. You're a king. Stop it. And he said this He says, I will get indignant or I'll lose my dignity so that I can praise his deity. When you lose your dignity to praise his deity, that's when things start to happen. Amen? I'm not worried about what people think. I want to see God do what he said he will do. It's time that we start to create a disturbance. And what am I talking about? Am I just talking about acting silly? No, I'm talking about getting back to a place of intimacy with God. Why is there not the intimacy in church that there used to be? Because there's not the intimacy in the home. Why is there not intimacy in the home between a husband and wife? And I'm talking about intimacy in the sheets. It's because there's not been an intimacy in the soul of a man and a woman. Now you might say, did I just hear my pastor say that? Yes, you did. How come we just don't have intimacy like we used to? I mean, man, when we were young, it was wonderful. Listen, if you'll get the intimacy with God back again, you'll find that the intimacy between you as a husband and wife will return, and it will become intimacy within the home, and it will come back to the church. Why? Because we stop being careful and take the jump and just begin to trust God and see God do the miraculous and bring the family back to success. Amen? There needs to be a fire. That returns back to the church. There's a fire that needs to be returned back to the family of God. There's a fire that needs to be kindled back in the homes. And there's a fire that needs to be kindled in the hearts of every man and woman. And it just takes one step. It just takes people that are saying, I'm willing to take the jump. Amen? Will you stand with me this morning? Now, what seemed right in my heart this morning was just for us to minister to the family. Now, there's different things that we're going to minister to or minister to the family about. Number one, you realize that if there is sick individuals within the family, it affects the whole family. We can look at people that are going through struggles and physical ailments and say boy so sad to be you or we can come together as a family and say you know what it's not acceptable the devil's a liar he's coming to steal kill and destroy but no not in our family and so we're going to pray for the family that if you're here this morning and you've got sickness in your body, if the devil's been coming and trying to steal, kill, and destroy, we're going to pray for you. And the power of God is going to touch your body and God's going to recreate and do whatever he has to do to get your body in the place that it needs to be. Because it's time that we reroute the course. The direction you're headed might be one of 
sickness, pain, disease, it's time to reroute the course today. If you're here this morning, now once again, I'm not going to ask you, so again, you could be one of those individuals that are coming up for sickness in your body. You could be somebody else coming up for somebody else. But if you're here this morning and you're saying, God, I need you to do a miracle in my marriage. God, I need you to do some things in my relationships. I need you to do some things in my family. And we're going to pray for you as well. And we're not going to advertise what you're up here for. We're just going to pray. And when we pray, the fire of God and the power of God is going to come upon your life, come upon your body, come upon your marriage, come upon your mind. And we're going to see God do and restore some things this morning. But are you willing to take the step? Are you willing to take the jump? Are you willing to say, I don't care what people think? Are you willing to lose your dignity to say, God, today I'm not going to worry about my dignity, but I'm going to get the answer that I need for or need from you today. Amen. So with that being said, if you have physical need in your body, if you have need of God to move in the midst of your marriage, your family, your kids, whatever it might be, then I just want to invite you to come up here and we're just going to pray with you and we're going to agree with you and see the power of God move in your life. Amen. You can just line up right across the front here. Just give me enough room to walk in front of you. I guess that'll work too. I can just stand above you. Make me feel like I've got some power way up here. You know? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Hey, ushers, can I have an usher come up and just help me? Just stand behind them, please. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your courage. I know it's not easy to take a step and stand out in front of your church family because in your mind, everybody's saying, what's wrong with them? It's none of their business. It's between you and God. And because you took the step, God's going to meet you where you're at. Amen. Now, again, this isn't a question of whether or not it might or hoping that it will, I'm telling you that when we begin to pray for you, it's going to begin to change right now. So you can put your faith on that, that my God is a healer. There is nothing that is too difficult for him. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. Peter stepped out on the water, said, I'll take the step. And the Bible says that he began to walk on the water when Jesus called him to come. You heard a preacher saying to you, come. But it was God speaking to your heart that says come. And that's what you responded to. So you stepped out on the water. And when you stepped out, a miracle was ready to happen. Amen. So when I pray for you, you just be in a receiving mode to say, God, I receive it now. In Jesus' name, I receive. And when you receive something, what do you do? You say, thank you. Right? If I was to give you a million dollars, you'd be like, whoa, thank you. Well, what you're going to get right now is worth more than a million dollars. So how would you act? Thanksgiving. Amen? Are you ready to receive? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus.
isn't it good to be able to come to church come into the family of God and not be worried about what people think but just to say God today's my day I'm taking a step praise the Lord now listen I'm expecting to hear and see tremendous things as a result of what God did this morning amen I'm going to close with this this is something that the Lord has given us for our church for our ministry and that means you this is what the Lord spoke to us early this year and it's what we've hung on to and it's in Isaiah 61 verse 7 it's the Amplified it says instead of your former shame you will have a double portion so I don't know what you've been facing I don't know what you've went through I don't know what you've been discouraged about but whatever it is God says now is the season and now is the time that it will not be for your shame but it will be a double portion unto you and instead of humiliation your people will shout for joy over the portion hallelujah so that means that the portion that God's bringing is enough for you to get excited about praise God I'm not talking about a God that just does a rest restoration where you can say well yeah that's nice thanks God no it says that you'll get joyful for the portion that he's bringing back yes. so I don't know what it means concerning your marriage your life your finances your health but it's time to get joyful to get excited to let out a shout praise God because God says it's not going to be to your shame you're not going to have to look back and say God you let me down he says you're going to shout for joy Amen. And this is what the Lord said to me as well. He said, He says, I am your Jubilee. And it ties in with that scripture because the year of Jubilee is a year that God restores, brings back everything that you thought was lost, everything that was stolen. He says, I'm bringing it back. So, man, I'm telling you what, you better hold on, man. You say, well, Pastor, I heard you say that before. Well, man, listen, I'm telling you what, you just better hold on or hide because I'm telling you, you're going to see it come to pass. The portion, the double is ours. Can you say amen? Amen. Listen, I know it took a little more time and God led us to do a little bit different this morning, so I'm just going to let you go. But I'm going to pray for you as we go, and then we'll see you Wednesday. Amen. Now listen, let me just encourage you. When somebody does something good for you, you like to hang out with them, right? So God's going to be back here on Wednesday night. So if you really like what God did for you, you want to, want to hang out with what he gave you, you might want to come back Wednesday, right? <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've said. And God, we've taken the step. We've taken the step of faith and therefore you are restoring because you care for your family and your family matters. So God, this week, starting tomorrow, we make room for you. We take another step closer and we thank you that, Lord, we begin to see your mighty hand at work and we'll give you all the praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv 
we know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.